effects and then working them into this wall of sound, this Phil Spector type wall of sound that just comes at you wave after wave. I didn't see any of it, I only heard it and it was so creepy that yeah, way. I'm sure we're not the only ones that just come up to each other on a random basis and ask, why did you spill your beans? <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to a history-making broadcast for Fright Club Live. Glad to have you. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast, and we are from madwolf.com. First of all, the new look. We've been practicing. I think yeah. it's... I think it's, it's kind of snazzy. <laughs> it's a st- we don't mean the green wall. We mean the, we mean the StreamYard. <laughs> StreamYard is a new platform, so if there's a couple of technical glitches tonight, apologies. We have been practicing very hard. We <laughs> think we got it down, but the big thing is we'll be able to see comments. In fact, I already see comments. Nathan and Alexander, thanks for checking in. Remember Hi. last time, I know. The, the egg was on my face because I saw no <laughs> comments, but that hopefully... Has, has been remedied. So thank you so much. On top of that, we're very excited. First of all, we're excited about the topic. I'm very excited. Yeah, and excited. we are going to premiere the trailer for our first Mad Wolf production short film. How cool. I know some of you have seen it, which is awesome. But uh, we're going to have the, the world broadcast premiere That's right. of the trailer for Godspeed coming up. But we are talking about sound design. I uh, got some good stuff to share, but we had some great comments about the last podcast. We had so much fun with Katie Glidewell, our buddy, the blonde in front, and we talked about, well, you guys <laughs> talked about blondes in horror. <laughs> we did. We did. And actually, I think that people were pretty generous in not being super mad at us because there were, I mean, there are just so many. It's insane how many. And I think the most common complaint was that we did not cover, we did not discuss Jennifer Lee, or excuse me, Janet Lee. I think that was the one that everybody mainly wanted to that's see. That's fair. Yeah, I, I agree. That's fair. That's fair. And as I pointed out, though, I think it was Omar was the first person who pointed out that he would like to have seen Janet Lee. And the truth is, the Hitchcock blonde that made it closest to the list was actually Tippi Hedren. So that's how far off yeah, the mark I boy, was. Yeah, boy, that's another great one, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was a fun podcast. And one of my favorite comments was from Old Man Spencer, who's been comment happy in Twitter the, <laughs> the last week or so. But he, first of all, posted this really glorious picture of Kiefer Sutherland and the Lost Boys. And then he said that you shouldn't have been jealous because basically everybody wanted David to bite them. Didn't you? And whether you do or not, I would like to thank Old Man Spencer for putting that image in my head. <laughs> He, he was asking whether I would like to bite him? No, no, no. Whether you would like Kiefer Sutherland as David to bite you. No. That basically his, his theory is that we all wanted him to bite us when we watched the movie, no, didn't you? No, I'll be honest, and don't hate me, and we're going to talk about Fright Club cards here in a minute, which I love. <laughs> um, I don't have nearly as much love for the Lost Boys as a lot of people do, so bring on the, the slings and arrows. I get it. But the point is, it was a lot of fun. For a podcast, I had a lot of fun just listening to you guys, <laughs> you and Katie go go back and forth and just working. Got to do the, redheads next. Working the buttons. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Working the buttons. So that was fun. So, <laughs> thank you for all that. And um, yeah, are we talking about the Fry Club card yet, or is that for later? Yeah, no. Why don't we go ahead? Because basically, what has happened is that the Me Toxin boys ran amok in our Twitter feed, as happens, which as is fun. It does. I enjoy watching and, it happen yeah, in real time. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and. First of all, he created a, a Fright Club card, and then he just asked the Twitterverse what they had all done to have to turn in their Fright Club card, uh-huh. and he asked when he could get his back. I loved and basically, it. I loved it. both of the Metoxin boys, it's just their gaping lack of taste when it comes to horror films. 
not to put too fine a point on it, but gaping lack of taste. That's there's not a lot of gray area there. They know it. <laughs> but there were a whole bunch of other people, in fact, so many that I'm going to have to read it. First of all, my, one of my favorites was Dizak, who admitted that he likes PJ Souls. But that created a whole tangent. It was like, who doesn't like PJ Souls? I like her who, as a person. I've said it many as far times. As you know, you I'm like on her record. As a <laughs> uh, um, and then Mox, who, agree, who admitted that she has not seen about 70% of all the classics. I love that you admit oh, it, though. That's You're true. up front. Seth thinks that Lucio Fulci is a better director than Dario Argento. Mm. Yeah. He okay. likes the eye squeezing. That's my theory on that. Jen oh. Dreadful. This one cut me deep, Jen. Jen Dreadful hates Colvert. Cut us deep. Yeah. How about that dance sequence, though? <laughs> I love every single But speaking of, of cutting Colbert. us deep. Oh, that's right. Phantom Dark Dave. He was very brave in admitting that he has actually never seen Die Hard. That was a whole... that We had to go to a judge's ruling about that because since it's not... A horror film. Yeah, it's it, not Fright Club. It's Fright Club adjacent. Yeah, it couldn't really affect the Fright Club card. No, so he gets to keep his card. Yeah, but but boy, remedy that. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. That's yeah. always so much fun. But yeah. if we, let's get to this. So our topic today. Yes. Which Sound design. came up as an option of a topic when we were talking about best cinematography, which is funny because almost every time we do one topic, five more topics crop up because while we were thinking about this one, I said, oh, we got to do score again because we did score once, but we did it for somebody else's podcast. And then I also want to do the best just song, which of course, Cry Little Sister, by the way, from The Lost Boys <laughs> will make that list. So anyway, but the point is I sent you a list of just maybe seven, eight, nine maybe options that you could potentially consider when you put together the list for this podcast. 100% you. Mm -hmm. And how many of mine How many of mine made the list? None. You know, I have found that when you wield this sort of power, <laughs> it goes right. to your head. It really does. So I enjoyed it. Um, but I put a lot of these together for different reasons. So, so many other movies that, that aren't actually on this list could have been on it. There's so much love for a lot of these. Great recommendations, by the way, on Twitter. We got maybe more support and more ideas than, than for this podcast than probably ever before. And there's some great ones. So, But I'll try to explain as we go along and, and put some of these in, in historical context because some are not recent movies and there's been so many advancements in technology. Obviously, sound and things are going to get better as the, the movies are more recent. But still, when you think of some of these films in historical context, what they were able to do with sound is just amazing. So a lot of it went into it, and hopefully I'll try to support and give support for what I was thinking as we go along. But Do we want to show them our mouse pad? Oh, yes, another piece of history-making Fright Club news. <laughs> Look at this new mouse pad that she got. Yay! Ooh. It does. It goes really well with the green wall, doesn't it? We should explain the green wall really quickly, because if you've seen the show before, you're used to a different wall with a different big, lovely painting from um, Fury Road. This we've got the girl walks home alone at night in a green wall because I got a new desk. And so it's an L-shaped desk and now we face the other wall. And so eventually, after we figured out StreamYard, we're going to figure out green screens and we're going to put shit back there. We're going to make it seem like monsters are coming at us. Yeah, so it's, and, and you get, you get to check out that girl walks home alone at night poster, which is very cool. Um, oh, by the way, Tom says, yay, PJ Souls. So, <laughs> souls, so there you go. And, uh, and Jamie, Jamie's already ahead of us. He says, thank, uh, props to the Foley masters. That's right. So he's, he's down with the terminology. And we'll get to that, all the Foley masters. But all right, you want to you jump right in? I do. Uh, number five on my list of favorite sound design. Listen how he says it. <laughs> on our list. <laughs> lovingly put together. It's a lie. Uh, this is from 2014. 
it follows. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Wherever you are, it's somewhere walking straight for you. All you can do is pass it along to someone else. Number five, it follows on the list. All right, we're going to try to post a comment. Let's see if this works. <gasps> Ooh, look at that. That was my favorite one so far, which is that Rachel Farbash says she still thinks about the soundtrack. Exactly, and, I, and that's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, that was one of the reasons why you picked this, because of sort of modern films, it's a great example of, of the sound design that pulls in the music and really weaves it into the sound effects. Right. A lot of people think sound design, soundtrack. Well, no, they're two different things. But the soundtrack is, of course, a part of the sound design. And I think this, I wanted it to represent the quote-unquote new horror of the last few years. It's a fantastic example, as Rachel points out, of molding the soundtrack and the sound so much that they're all, almost one and the same. It's done by Rich Vreeland, who goes by, who performs as Disaster Piece and really came up doing video games. And you can kind of see that because it's so atmospheric. And sometimes it doesn't really sound even like a piece of music. It's more just a synth pop or something like that. And it sets the mood so well, especially as the it changes form. And every right. time it comes out in a different form, you get a different sound. And I think this movie does a brilliant job of that. And of course, the, the overall design, too, because as we've talked about this movie on the podcast before, it sets a very ambiguous time and place. It does. And I think there's a soundtrack, yeah, because it's got the sense of an 80s score, but it's not, it doesn't feel exclusively that. In the same way that almost says they've got antennas on their TVs and yet they're reading from a smartphone. And it's, um, it's a fascinating, weird timestamp. And I also think that the sound design goes really well with the almost dizzying cinematography that keeps making these sweeps around the periphery before Jay realizes really what's going on because we know. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think the whole thing goes together really well. But I want to, uh, we want to mention a couple of, of the other sort of very modern films that pull in so many different aspects of sound. The one of the ones that I really wanted to talk about was Hereditary. Yeah. And then also, even maybe better, Midsummer. One of the things I love so much about Midsummer was that you're high, they're high, you're outside, they're people on sort of every, you know, they're far away. The, the, just the way he worked the soundtrack, so even if you couldn't see the character, you could sort of hear what they were talking about. It really added to the sort of dizzying effect that I, the, you know, the whole sort of drug thing was supposed to create. Yeah, those, those are great ones. Uh, Hereditary is great. And, and be honest, when she said hereditary, you immediately thought of a great big thud. Boom. Guess you did. You did. Because <laughs> I did. Everybody did. But those are great um, from the last few years of new us. horror. Us is one. We got a lot of uh, suggestions yeah. for us. Also, but that's a another quiet great place. One. Yeah. Us is another great one that really pulls the soundtrack, pulls the score yep. into the just the sound of the film, the sound design of the film. That's a great one. And then I think another one that this that came up a lot of times and that this movie absolutely evokes is Halloween. Oh, for sure. And Halloween, one of, if not the most iconic horror soundtrack of all time. But that's why I wanted to use this one and start with this one because it's such a molding of sound and soundtrack. Uh, and that's why we started out at number five on our sound design list for It Follows. <laughs> yeah, Katie, oh Lord. Just the scene where Tony Collette finds Charlie. Boy, you're not kidding. I don't There's haunt your dreams. There's a lot of screaming in that sound I design. love how these comments are working. I know. It's because I don't have anything else to do, so I can just keep <laughs> clicking this. 
You are now the comment lady. That's right. All right, that's number five. It follows, taking us up to number four on sound design. Wanted to have one classic, one back-in-the-day classic, and this would be it. From 1963, the original The Haunting. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. Oh, this house. You have to watch it every minute. What does it take to convince you that the dead do not always rest in peace? But some houses, like Hill House, are born bad. Yeah, that is such a great use of sound effects just to scare you because let's face it it's a haunted house movie yeah. and and also the production design in this movie is fantastic but we're talking about sound design so props to the uh, main sound designer on this one uh, Desmond Briscoe and it think about it. it it has to create all these frights and there are still many people that rank it as one of the scariest movies ever made yes just with sound and just with maybe a, a curtain blowing or something like that. It's all in your mind. Yeah, and it's PG. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think that, like so many haunted house movies do, it's basically a metaphor for what's inside your head or what's inside your body. It's just the, the sound effects to me are just off the charts with this thing. Yeah. And, I mean, it helps that it started with uh, Shirley Jackson's writing. Yeah. Uh, and, and the performances are so great. But yeah, it is it is a really, really fun a movie where you were relying on only what you hear because you don't really get to see anything, which makes me think of a more modern version of that, which is the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, yeah. One of our favorites for sure. And, and that's another one where even though they're not in a house, they're out in the expansive yeah. woods, every little creak, every little thing you don't hear up front in the foreground, you hear it in the background, every little thing. And it just really gets your... Your ear is just yeah. straining, yeah. straining. What can I hear? And the sound effects in this, just over and over. They they were manipulated. They they added in uh, tears, laughter, uh, voices of ghosts themselves, the creaking boards. And at the time, I can just imagine, you try to think of it, like we said before, in a historical context. Think of those audiences in 1963. Yeah. And this was so so much a, a, an inventive use of these sound effects i can just imagine it was it was terrifying and this is you told me a foley well there's a lot of foley yeah in fact it was jamie who brought up the the term foley artist a lot of people know what that means it's a it's <laughs> named after jack foley who was one of the first to use basically household items to make sound effects for movies like uh, putting a couple of uh, boards together for a horse clopping along or something like that or maybe a head of lettuce you, you stab a knife into a head of lettuce for someone getting stabbed things like that so that's a foley artist and a lot a lot of uh, foley work going on here and that continues to, to today but uh, back in 1963 this was an astounding use of all sorts of sound effects to just create an incredible mood. Yes, hand-in-hand hand with the production design, which, again, which is top-notch. But, man, one of the best haunted house movies ever. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's one of my very favorites, yes. Yeah, for sure. And as I think somebody said, Brandon said, Robert Wise was such a great director. Yeah, he came off West Side Story <laughs> and went to this. I mean, that's sort of a whiplash move, but uh, because I... Th well, and it's funny, though, that you say that because actually uh, then not his very next film, but the one after that is The Sound of Music. Yeah. But what that makes you realize is a guy whose biggest films are musicals 
understands how important sound is in a film. And he just sort of, I think he brought that tremendous uh, understanding of the power of sound that he would get, get from being uh, a musical director to a haunted house movie. Very much so. And also it showed that I think at the time the studio didn't really care about the haunting, uh, uh, really. And he had a lot more interest in it and faith in it than the studio did. But, the, but they got a classic. And uh, Nathan, I've always thought that the Foley must be the best of all jobs. Man, it would be fun, wouldn't it? Katie thinks so, too. Oh, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. Yeah. And this is a great use of it. The Haunting, number four on the list of sound design horror. The classic, the back in the day from 1963. Uh, let's get a lot more recent. And this is one that got us talking That's about right. sound design That's because right. it was on our cinematography list for uh, very obvious reasons. And this is from just last year. The Lighthouse. Foghorn. Oh, the foghorn. And just put you in the mood right the opening seconds of the movie. Oh, yeah. Every time I watch this trailer, I just want to watch the movie again right now. <laughs> Everything about this movie is it's so bonkers. It's so crazy. But technically, it is such a wonder. We talked about the cinematography. Obviously, the production design is fantastic. The sound, like we just said with the foghorn, it gets you right away and it pummels you. It just <laughs> pummels you through the entire length of the movie. And its sound designer is Damien Volpe, who worked hand-in-hand hand with Robert Eggers to get incredibly authentic. I mean, you can look up the lengths that Damien Volpe and his wife, he got his wife involved, that they went to getting some of these sound effects and then working them into this wall of sound, this, this Phil Spector-type wall of sound that just comes at you wave after wave, and, and you feel weighed down by it which is perfect because this whole movie is about these guys and their descent into madness right. and it's just they have to somehow they have to escape this and they can't and it all starts with that foghorn oh my god the foghorn is so great and of course it also it, the sound and the cinematography really blend with these remarkable performances just insane performances to to do that to sort of give you this sense of of true madness and, of course, we can't talk about this movie without talking about why'd you spill your beans. <laughs> and that's a case where Damien Volpe, the sound designer, has said that's where he wanted to incorporate silence because that line becomes so important, number one, because we keep saying it, <laughs> but it, it's, it's such a, a benchmark of the movie, and he made it much more silent so that it would just resonate over and over and adding a little bit of echo to it. Yeah. And you just you can't get that out of your head either. Um, I'm sure we're not the only ones that just come up to each other on a random basis and ask, why did you spill your beans? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the sound is just, the word that just keeps coming, it's just overload. It's yeah. just sensory overload, which 
fits this movie perfectly because it's just the mood that was needed. Yeah, and I think another film that, that it doesn't overload you with film, but it creates an atmosphere of madness and with just pristine sound design is The Shining, oh, yeah. which I think was in sort of our poll of Twitter, the, the movie that came up the most often. People were really fascinated by, as Brandon said, the sound of the big wheel on the oh. carpet. Um, so great. And then also, and I forget who said it, but it was the sound of the ball when Jack keeps throwing the ball against the wall and the echoey noise that it makes and how it just gives you the sense of emptiness in mm-hmm. the building. Uh, it is a, and, and the, the carpet that is now my um, my mouse pad. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just feel like, uh, you know, uh, Kubrick didn't leave a lot on touched unnoticed and his sound design was beautiful oh that is true and and i agree 100 percent. and i'll be honest maybe one of the reasons i didn't go with the shining on here is because we have talked about the shining on so many different podcasts so is it being penalized because it's so good in so many different areas the answer to that is yes yes it is but i i agree especially as brandon said the sound of that that big wheel off the floorboards off the rug and then back is is fantastic so yeah very much so in very similar as you said a uh, very similar effect to the lighthouse, but the lighthouse number three, and I. You just, know, before we go to yes, number two, before we go to number I two, I think you were going to let me just mention two of the ones I wanted to talk about. Oh, if you would, please. If you could. So the one, and this is going to surprise no one, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's a gorilla style to that sound design, but it's incredibly effective. The slam of the metal door, of yeah. Course, of course, the chainsaw, the buzzing flies. I think that that's an incredibly effective and super creepy sound design and then the other one that has always really impressed me is the original 2008 french film martyrs because the the film is essentially three separate stories all with the same primary characters but it is and and each story the sort of orphanage childhood story the the middle piece in the suburbs and then the basement prison piece each of the stories has its own complete design uh it has its own color palette it has its own sort of lighting style and it has its own sound design so that the the early period is very echoey and sad sounding the middle period seems sort of lush like a tv show almost and then once that metal ladder, ladder. Uh-huh. hits the cement of the basement floor and you just hear it echo it's it's this There's sharp finality to yeah, it yeah this sharp sterile awful sensation that mm-hmm. permeates the rest of the film so those were my two biggest rejections uh, no i'll be honest with you the martyr martyrs was not one that i thought of when i was mulling over uh, titles for this list so but it's but it's a good one and and when you bring up those specifics i definitely agree with you and of course i've said many times that the sound of the door slamming in the texas chainsaw massacre is probably my most terrifying moment of that entire movie so those are good Thank don't you. feel slighted as i often do <laughs> <laughs> so where are we at number three the lighthouse on our list of sound design and that moves us up to number two so excited to talk about this movie. I think we've only talked about it maybe once. One time, one time. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about it again. And from 2012, it's Barbarian Sound Studio. Fred Meyer about you was that you were an artist, that you were doing this for the love. Sounds a little watery. Is there any fresh marrow? Francesco tells me you are trying to escape. There's no reason to escape. Who's there? This is going to be a fantastic film. This game's up, boy. And we'll jump through hooks. Don't be afraid. A new world of sound awaits you. A new world that requires all your magic powers. 
all your magic powers. See, sound editor, sound designer is a superhero. <laughs> you know I'm going to have this on here. By the way, for, for anybody that doesn't know, um, my background, I do work at a radio station, but beyond uh, doing that DJ thing, uh, a lot of my day is spent doing recording sessions, recording clients that come in, putting together commercials, editing sound, mixing sound. So that's where my, my interest for all this comes from. And I was so excited to see the world of Barbarian Sound Studio. First of all, all that old equipment is just awesome. And it's a movie about making movies, very meta, but it it not only describes how the sound is put together, but the effects of that sound on one character's descent into madness, uh, a sound engineer played uh, gloriously by Toby Jones. He's so good. So He's good. He's so good. He comes over to Italy to work on uh, what he thought. It's a movie called The Equestrian Vortex, <laughs> and he thought it was going to be a horse movie. No, no, it's not. It's a giallo movie, which is one of the <laughs> other things that is so great about this movie. Not just that it gets all of the sound nerdery absolutely correct, but it gets the giallo background absolutely yeah. correct. So it's made by... Uh, director Peter Strickland, who's a madman. Yeah, and he has actually, he his background included being in a performing group and also managing a record label. Oh, okay. So he's he's all about sound yeah. from the get-go. He also did In Fabric. Oh, yes. So um, so another just great and bizarre film. Bizarre. But I mean, I, I feel like he gave the real timestamp to this. I mean, he really understood the giallo that he mm-hmm. was going after. And actually, one of the other films that was recommended for the list that didn't make it uh, by Seth, that was Tenebrae. So oh, it's yeah. another, you know, but Giallo is it's an interesting choice for a film about sound because because they're very fully. I mean, they're you know, oh. I mean, the garish colors that's what really uh, sort of marks a Giallo film. But the the garish sound effects really do too. Yeah, and what's great about it is it keeps the focus on the sound because in the movie you never see what's going on on the screen, what the sound engineer is watching, and and what is helping him descend into some madness as it gets very Lynchian and psychological. You never see what he's seeing, and that's perfect. Yeah. Because if you did, it would then make it about your perception and not his. So the only the only vantage point we get is just from the sound, and that keeps the focus where it ought to be, and it, it makes this, this movie so effective. And it's also, there's so many layers to it. It's also literally and figuratively about men controlling women's voices. Yes, That's it is. what they're doing in the booth. Yeah. Uh, and then it adds some layers on top of that. I mean, I think it's interesting that this is back to back with with The Lighthouse because in a lot of ways, I, th- I feel, because I've noticed that a lot of people haven't seen it, haven't mm-hmm. seen Barbarian Sound Studio. And I feel like if you like The Lighthouse, even though in a lot of ways this is wildly different, it's also very similar in a lot of ways. And I feel like if you enjoyed The Lighthouse, you would like this movie. And also, since we're talking really technically about movies about sound, I want to go off the off the path here a little bit and talk about a few movies that aren't horror movies, but definitely worth checking out. And the first one is a documentary that came out, I believe, just last year. Brilliant documentary called Making Waves, The Art of Cinematic Sound. And it was the uh, director is a longtime sound engineer, Midge Costa. And she did a great job of taking you inside the the art of it. And, it, and she talks with so many legends of film that seem so excited about talking right. about something they're rarely asked about right spielberg talks about it i yeah, think Bo- they, bong joon ho talks they, about they it. seem to love it and yeah. you learn about the legends of sound the walter murches the ben burtz the gary Ridesoms, and and the and the history of sound design in movies so very much um very much recommend that it's called making waves also you want to go back and talk a little john travolta how about blowout which is not a horror movie but it is a palma so it's close and it's it's a thriller 
But it's definitely but, about yeah, sound. All about it's what all he about hears, sound. what he hears in his earpiece there. And also the conversation as we talk about Francis yeah. Ford Coppola. Fantastic. Such a good one. And also entirely about sound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what? In a weird way, the lives of others. Remember that one? Oh, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, German. It, yep. it, took the, it took the foreign language Oscar away from Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> so it's always kind of stung me. But it is a good movie, and it is entirely about sound. Yeah. So those are some to off the path a little bit that aren't horror movies, but definitely worth worth checking out. And uh, yeah, we're getting a lot of support for Barbarian Sound Studio. So thank you very much. And if you haven't if you haven't seen it, for sure look it up because it is a trip. It 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 goes in some crazy places. It definitely it does. Definitely does. And and worth checking out. And in Fabric as well, like you mentioned, oh, his his latest movie, yeah. In Fabric. Which you know, it's weird to say it if you have seen In Fabric, is that that's probably his most mainstream film. <laughs> It probably is, but uh, I'll watch everything he makes. He's just great. So Barbarian Sound Studio is number two. So let's go to number one on our list of sound design horror. Uh, Yeah, you would call this a classic. Not quite as back of the day as The Haunting, but this is from 1979. In space, no one can hear you scream. It's alien. Seems we have intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. Human. Unknown. What the hell is that? How do we kill it? You can't. You know, just a bit ago, Jamie had a great comment I saw pop up. He said, sometimes the lack of something makes it more noticeable. And this is a great example of silence being used as a piece of the sound design. And this is one of the first movies where legendary sound designer Ben Burtt um, made his name. And silence is is used so well, along with sound effects. Yes. It's got a great use of sound to enhance the ship. And what kind of ship it is, which I think also enhances the character development. Because just from the sound alone, you get the impression that this ship is kind of a bucket of bolts. You know, it's not the latest in the line of spaceships at the time. And then that goes right along with with the characters. They're arguing over their shares. These guys are not rich. They're working stiffs. And that gets us as an audience, to relate to them. Hey, look at them. They're just like us. They're dirty. They're mangy. They're just scrambling for a buck. And the sound of the ship really brings that home. And yeah, then, the of course... chains and the yes, dripping. And everything the, yeah, about it. It's, yeah. just, it's just a bucket of rust. And, and then, of course, we get to the sound effects of... The egg opening up oh, yeah. and the dripping and, and the, the hiss, <sighs> that hiss noise. The oh hissing, my God. so fantastic. And and it, once it sounds like something in terms of the ship, some things that you're used to, oh, that's kind of like my old beat up car. But at the same time, then you have these other types of otherworldly sound effects that take you to someplace totally beyond what you're used to. And then the silence. Yep. Just the tagline alone, in space no one can hear you scream, it's silent out there. And silence is used to such great effect in this movie to make it even scarier, just as Jamie said. When you lack something, it makes it more noticeable, and it just gets you even more on edge, I yeah. think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and, and again, I think it, the sound and the actual set design are so, they mirror each other so perfectly in this movie. 
and also really the performances because as you said the whole thing just makes you says as brandon uh, just pointed out truckers in space yeah. like this is not yes. this is not 2001 this no. is not even star trek this is not like that this not that this is just this big clunky bucket of bolts are going to be lucky if it gets home safe in the first place yeah and then you also you have to talk about the sound that ash makes when they finally pop his head off there sorry about the spoilers <laughs> the sound <laughs> the sound of his voice that gurgling oh, yeah. voice i can't lie to you about your chances but you have my sympathies that has oh, yeah. been imitated in so many other movies. That was groundbreaking and so weird because you're dealing with the Incredibly shock creepy. that Incredibly he is creepy. something that you didn't think he was and, and you had to make him sound that yeah. way. And it's just it's just a fantastic use of sound design and silence, using silence as as an instrument of sound. And it just it makes it brilliant. And even and toward the end there, when you think you're safe, you think Ripley's safe and things ebb and flow with the yeah. sound and then you realize she's not safe and we're not safe and it ratchets back up again just just overall a fantastic use of sound design and of course so many uh, facets of filmmaking for Ray- ridley scott and his crew and you were saying that this is uh, one of the one of the great guys right ben ben burt uh-huh ben burt is one of the the real sound design legends i think this was early on in his career that he was involved in the in the sound design for this and this is sort of a creature feature, sort of. Yes, it is. And that got you thinking about another great creature feature of sound design. And one that we we talked about a little bit for this podcast, and that's Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jurassic Park. The sound in that movie. And I know, I mean, I don't notice sound nearly to the degree that you do. But one of the reasons that the sound in this one always stuck out to me is that we went to see it at the drive-in with my sister and my niece. And it, early in the film, Julianne decided that Brenna was too young to see this movie. And she had to sit on the floor in the back seat and not watch it but hear it and it was freaking her out and I was in the back seat with her and I thought well I'll just get down here and I'll just talk to Brenna the whole time and it freaked me out and I had nightmares (laughs) I didn't see any of it I only heard it and it was so creepy that way and that's another legendary sound designer Gary Rydstrom uh, did the sound for that and he went on to do a lot of work with uh, Spielberg and he did the sound for Toy Story by the way nice so another big name there so Alien is number one and uh, we we know we got a lot of recommendations before the podcast we'd love to hear what you think now Keep the conversation going, as always. By the way, we've had some great comments tonight, and good work out of you for getting them on the screen. Nicely Thank done. Thank you. Uh, you can always find us and shoot us some more comments on Twitter. We're at Fright Club Pod. Also, the um, Facebook page and the Instagram is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews, our other weekly podcasts where we just talk about all the new releases, and now get a weekly visit from the schlocketeer Daniel Baldwin with some studio news. That's uh, called The Screening Room. You can find all that at madwolf.com. So this has been a blast, and now we look forward to getting into some remakes. Yes, uh, in our next podcast. First of all, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the movies we didn't get a chance to talk about today. Some of the recommendations that you guys made, including Jamie, who pointed out how great the birds sounded. So that'll be something we can talk about just briefly next time. And then we are going to tackle the best remakes, because that was another rant in our Twitter page <laughs> and it was just appalling appalling that's gonna be fun to see their lists just appalling <laughs> and so I thought well in a good way in, in a, a good way in a good way that's totally what I mean no they know I'm a dick it's fine <laughs> and so uh what we're looking for uh specifically are movies that were superior to the originals and we already thought of like three that are kind of yeah. samesies yeah uh and a couple of others yeah so we'll get to that look forward to hearing about all that uh, in the meantime thank you for stopping in hope you like this new look i think the stream yard is pretty cool 
I think you're operating the controls here in Command you. Central very well. So we hope to hear from you. Until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends.